You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Matt Lombardo Show, part of the Stacking the Box podcast. Please welcome your host, Matt Lombardo. What's going on, everybody? Welcome on into the Matt Lombardo Show, right here inside Fansided Stacking the Box podcast feed. I'm Fansided's national NFL insider, Matt Lombardo, and man, do we have a big show for you. A little bit later on, Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver and special teams ace Ray Ray McLeod drops by. You're not going to want to miss that conversation. Some really great insight about the Steelers, about Mike Tomlin, about Dabo Sweeney, and everything going on at Clemson. Just a great conversation overall. I'm looking forward to you being able to hear that and of course there are all kinds of stories breaking across the NFL as we approach Sunday's game. We're going to get into all of that, everything about Odell Beckham Jr.'s future, what this weekend means for the Green Bay Packers for and without Aaron Rodgers, and a whole lot more. But before we do, just a little bit of housekeeping for you. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you went ahead and subscribed in the Apple Podcast Store, SoundCloud, Spotify, Spreaker, all of your favorite podcast platforms. Check it out on YouTube. You get two great podcasts for the price of none. You get Mark Carmen and Matt Verderam every Tuesday on Stacking the Box. And then every Friday, you get the Matt Lombardo Show delivered right to your favorite podcast platform. So you don't want to miss an episode. You just have to go out and subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet, what are you waiting for? And if you really enjoy the show, if you like what you hear each week, please go ahead and leave a five-star review. Let me know what you like about the podcast, what you don't like about the podcast, maybe a guest or two that you'd like to hear from, and I'll go and get them on. Just please leave a five-star review for Stacking the Box and mention the Matt Lombardo Show. And now that we have that taken out of the way. The big story across the NFL on Friday as we're recording this podcast is the Cleveland Browns granting Odell Beckham Jr. his release. And if he clears waivers, which seems like a bit of a stretch at this point, because let's face it, it's Odell Beckham Jr. And there are probably 31 teams that could benefit from Odell Beckham Jr. joining their franchise. But if Odell Beckham Jr. does clear waivers, There's three or four teams that make a lot more sense than any other. And we're not going to know probably until Monday whether a claim was put in for Odell Beckham Jr., how many claims were put in for Odell Beckham Jr., and where he winds up landing off of the waiver wire. But if, 
If Beckham clears waivers, which is unlikely, especially because the Cleveland Browns have restructured his contract and because of the fact that there's no guaranteed money beyond this year, it makes a lot of sense for a lot of teams to be involved in the waiver wire conversation. But if Beckham somehow shakes through or if these teams have the ability to claim Beckham because he slides to them on the waiver wire, there's three teams from my conversations on Friday with NFL executives, a couple of coaches, some agents who I really trust. I tried to really get a sense for Odell Beckham Jr.'s market, and there's three teams that came up more than any other in all of my conversations, and those were the Las Vegas Raiders, the New Orleans Saints, and the New England Patriots. They're the teams that if Odell Beckham Jr. is allowed to sign and has the ability to sign with any team, they're the teams that make the most sense for a myriad of reasons. And we'll just go through them one by one here. Personally, I think the Raiders make a lot of sense. And I agree with the people who mentioned them. Because if you're Las Vegas and you're having the month that you've just had after that tragic, albeit incredibly selfish car accident and when Henry Ruggs was arrested for DUI after driving 156 miles an hour in a Las Vegas street, wound up killing a woman and her dog... Just an outright tragedy for everybody involved, and, and you really hope that Henry Ruggs gets the book thrown at him in terms of a sentence moving forward, because there's nothing more selfish than getting behind the wheel while intoxicated, especially in the NFL, where you have at your disposal not only Uber and Lyft, but an NFL call service, a car service that you can call, and then a car paid for by the NFL will pick you up, no questions asked, and get you to your destination. But Ruggs' absence and the fact that he's no longer available, here's the Raiders' wide receiving core right now. It's Hunter Renfro, Brian Edwards, and Zay Jones. That's not exactly striking fear into the hearts of the AFC West where you're leading the division and not exactly the kind of supporting cast that you would want for Derek Carr amid a stretch run. But the caveat here... Talking to an agent who's really familiar with the wide receiver market, represents a couple of marquee names at the position. He said he doesn't know that the Raiders are going to get involved because of the negative news cycle and negative publicity that they've had over the past month after John Gruden's emails were leaked, after the accident involving Henry Ruggs, and for as dynamic a playmaker as Odell Beckham Jr. is when he's healthy, which by the way is few and far between lately, he also comes with some baggage, also comes with a traveling media circus and some negative backlash from the media over the years that the Raiders, according to this agent, might not want to take the risk of bringing him into that situation. So that brings us to team number two. And this situation is albeit a little bit more complicated, but it might make a lot of sense. And as one executive in the NFC told me, this is his pick for Odell Beckham Jr.'s next destination, and that is the New Orleans Saints. And it makes sense for a lot of reasons, right? The Saints, ahead of the trade deadline, they were shopping. They were calling around. They were trying to gauge the market ahead of the NFL trade deadline for young wide receivers. I know for a fact there were conversations between the New York Giants and the Saints involving Darius Slayton. Ultimately, it just made more sense for the Giants not to trade a fifth-round pick who has played at the level he has and it never got to the point where a formal offer was made by the Saints. But with Michael Thomas being out for the year and the Saints being right in the thick of the NFC South race, especially after beating Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in the Superdome last week, they need wide receiver help. And you look at the Saints right now, they provide something that no other team in the league can at this moment 
It's an opportunity for Odell Beckham Jr. to go home. He, of course, played his college football at LSU. He's from Baton Rouge, obviously loves the area, still has family in the area, still has friends in the region. But for Odell Beckham Jr., I don't know, personally, this is Matt Lombardo speaking, not my sources. I don't know how much, Saints, how much sense the Saints make because of the fact that Jameis Winston got hurt last week. If Jameis Winston is the quarterback playing the way that he did last Sunday before tearing his ACL, if he clears waivers, Odell Beckham Jr.'s agent might be picking up the phone and calling the Saints first. But I don't know that Odell Beckham Jr. is going to want to go and catch passes from Taysom Hill. And that's where a couple of sources told me that they're skeptical about a Louisiana Odell Beckham Jr. family reunion with the Saints. But it makes a lot of sense for him to go home. It makes a lot of sense for the Saints because of need. And the other caveat for New Orleans is right now they only have about $989,000 in cap space. So if you're Odell Beckham Jr. and you make it through waivers, which would be pretty humiliating in its own right, you would then have to take a prove-it deal for the rest of this year to play for a subpar quarterback with maybe a chance to go to a Super Bowl out of the NFC and maybe bet on yourself cashing in. But I don't know that you're going to hit your wagon if you're Odell Beckham Jr. to Taysom Hill. So that brings us to the New England Patriots. The evil empire of the NFL, if you will. Bill Belichick has done this before. He's been down this road before. Remember, it was Bill Belichick who signed Randy Moss with all of his off-the-field issues and baggage and quote-unquote character concerns and turned in one of the best and most dynamic and most dominant performances of Randy Moss's career and got to a Super Bowl after doing so. Now, the Patriots, after what they did a week ago, after just shutting down Justin Herbert, confusing the rookie quarterback, one thing is really evident about New England. They have a Super Bowl caliber defense. And if you're the New England Patriots and you have Bill Belichick and you have a quarterback in Mac Jones, who every week it seems like he's looking more and more like the offensive rookie of the year, why wouldn't you go out of your way to do everything in your power to go and get Odell Beckham Jr.? Because Mac Jones is tearing it up right now. And he's tearing it up by dinking and dunking down the field, playing within the confines of a system and an offense that doesn't really stretch the field because they don't have a player who's capable of stretching the field. They have two dynamic pass-catching tight ends, which we've talked about this ad nauseum on the podcast before, and I've written about it on fansided.com. If you have a young or a rookie quarterback, you want to surround him with playmaking, dynamic pass-catching tight ends because a tight end is a young quarterback security blanket and can really be instrumental in his development. Hunter's, Hunter Henry and John Smith have been exactly that for Mac Jones. Nelson Aguilar is a guy who feasts underneath. If you drop Odell Beckham Jr. into that offense, we're not just talking about the Patriots getting better every week as potentially being a wild card team in the AFC, but you combine the addition of Odell Beckham Jr. with all of the inconsistency that we've seen over the past month or so from the Buffalo Bills, all of a sudden, with Odell Beckham Jr., when he's healthy and on the field, with Mac Jones and all of those weapons and that swarming defense... You can really start talking about Bill Belichick and the Patriots being a Super Bowl team out of the AFC. And the AFC is really fascinating. We're going to get into this a little bit later on in the podcast. But you can take five or six, seven teams and say, you know, I would not be surprised one bit if on Super Sunday at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, they're the team representing the AFC. And I'd be equally unsurprised if they missed the playoffs entirely. And I put the New England Patriots right in that conversation. But... Through my conversations with league sources on Friday, 
if Beckham clears waivers, the Raiders, the Saints, and the Patriots seem to make the most sense for Odell Beckham Jr. They're the three teams that were brought up to me the most as potential landing spots. But again, Odell Beckham Jr. has to clear waivers first. Now, I don't know that he makes it that far because sitting there at number one in the NFL waiver priority is the Detroit Lions. And John Dorsey, the GM who traded a first-round pick and Jabril Peppers, among other things, to the New York Giants for Odell Beckham Jr., is in the Lions front office as a personnel executive. Might the Lions want to pair Odell Beckham Jr. with Jared Goff? Now, I think that could be a recipe for disaster, given Odell Beckham Jr.'s temperament and his lack of let's say, patience with inconsistent quarterback play, as we saw with Eli Manning and later Baker Mayfield. But if the Lions pass, then you're talking about the Miami Dolphins. And if they want to try to make a run with Tua, that's how you do it. The Houston Texans, the Jacksonville Jaguars, what a story that would be with Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer. You're not winning anything if you're Odell Beckham Jr., but you're landing an offense with DJ Chark and Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence might be the best quarterback that Odell Beckham Jr. has played with in his career. Then you have the Jets, who, well, that'd be kind of funny. And then the Giants at number six. I can't see, based on the way things ended with the Giants the first time around, Odell Beckham Jr. getting claimed by the Giants. But the Philadelphia Eagles, they, they have to think, after what they did to Detroit last week and what Jalen Hurts has been able to do on the ground, you have to believe that the Eagles are going to, if he's available, put in a claim for Odell Beckham Jr. If he slides to them, why not put him in that offense with Devonta Smith and Jalen Rager? But here's my sleeper team, and it's not the Seattle Seahawks who picked ninth in the waiver claim, and that would be a great fit. That would be an outstanding fit for Russell Wilson coming back, a Super Bowl caliber roster with Tyler Lockett and with, of course, DK Metcalf. If you drop him into that offense, Odell Beckham Jr., you're making Russell Wilson happy going into the offseason, and you're setting him up with an offense that can make waves over the second half of the season and maybe make a move for the postseason or maybe more than that. But my sleeper team, and this isn't from any reporting, it isn't from sourcing, it's not the the Raiders or the Saints or the Patriots. My sleeper team and my wild card is the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I don't think there's any way that Odell Beckham Jr. makes it to number 29 where the Ravens are on the waiver wire priority. I think it's far more likely that he gets claimed by the New England Patriots who have the 15th waiver wire priority and maybe even a team like the New Orleans Saints at number 23 but if he makes it to free agency or he somehow tumbles why wouldn't you if you're the Baltimore Ravens looking at Lamar Jackson becoming a far improved pocket passer a far more dangerous weapon from the pocket than he's been at any stage in his career and if you know one thing about what it takes to win with Lamar Jackson it's that you need to continue to surround him with as many dynamic playmakers as possible. Odell Beckham Jr. fits that bill, especially when he's healthy. And I know that they're getting Sammy Watkins back. I know that Rashad Bateman is coming back. They have Hollywood Brown. But each of the past two seasons, whether it was at home against Tennessee in the divisional round on a cold, windy night where the weather wasn't great and Hollywood Brown as a rookie kind of disappointed and didn't exactly live up to his level of play through the regular season, Lamar Jackson folded. He couldn't win with his legs against Mike Vrabel's defense. You look at last year in the postseason on a windy 
disastrous, miserable weather night on the banks of Lake Erie in Buffalo, a windy night with swirling winds around Rich Stadium, Lamar Jackson came back down to earth. His weapons couldn't bail him out. So if you're the Ravens, I think you need to surround him, Lamar Jackson that is, with as much talent and as many game changers as possible. Odell Beckham Jr. fits that build to a T. So they would be my sleeper team. I do think it's going to be really fascinating this weekend. I do think that Odell Beckham Jr. does get claimed. But this is going to be one of the biggest storylines to watch in the NFL this weekend. And it has the potential, Odell Beckham Jr. does, to shape the postseason run and the stretch run of the NFL season. On the other side, Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver and special teams ace Ray Ray McLeod joins me next. Right here on the Matt Lombardo Show, inside fan-sided Stack in the Box podcast feed. Hurry into Mattress Firm's best Memorial Day sale ever. Get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $500 on Sealy. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchases up to a $4.99 value. Or shop Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America, and save up to $500 on adjustable mattress sets in stock for immediate delivery. And get a $300 instant gift. Talk to a sleep expert today. Only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. Welcome back in. And one of the biggest wins of the weekend last Sunday across the NFL was the Steelers going into Cleveland and beating the Browns 15 to 10. Here to break that down and a whole lot more is Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver and special teams ace Ray Ray McLeod. You can follow Ray Ray on Twitter at RM three eyes underscore 34. Ray Ray, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. How about yourself? And thanks for having me, by the way. Of course. Happy to have you here, Ray Ray. And, you know, I just want to start right out of the shoot about asking about your head coach, Mike Tomlin. You guys are five and three. You need three more wins to go over 500. And that would be his 16th consecutive winning season in a row. What makes Mike Tomlin such a successful head coach? And in your experience, is he one of the more complete head coaches out there? Definitely. Uh, to start, his, his honesty is just the way he comes up front about everything, you know, uh, very direct, never leaves nothing off the table. And uh, a coach like that, even at times, if you don't like him, you have to love him because that's what you want out of a coach. And that's to keep elephant out the room. And that's how you play free. That's how you play with free mind, free space, free spirit. And, uh, and a coach like that, you always run through a wall for. And I think that's what the culture and the still is just like, it takes the team so much closer. Even when we were struggling the uh, first four games, going one and three the first month of the season, uh, Coach Tomlin never changed the way he coached. You know, uh, we're doing the same thing we're doing now uh, and just staying consistent and just trying to find the things that we need to work on. And that's what it was. And we're finally clicking as a team from from coaches to players, from special teams to offense and everybody in our offense and defense. Just everybody have each other back and play to play and have a next play mentality. And Sunday was absolutely a huge win for you guys, and so was go, you know, going into Buffalo week one and pulling off that upset of the Bills. And it seems like just watching Mike Tomlin, as you alluded to, really straightforward guy, seems to be a straight shooter both to the media and inside the locker room. As somebody who played in Buffalo previously, wasn't drafted into Pittsburgh, what was the biggest adjustment you had to make coming to the Steelers and into Mike Tomlin's program? A biggest adjustment for me was having a coach like him, you know, just different. Having a, a coach that just that understands me, you know, uh, understands his players, players coach, and just knows 
exactly what he wants from his players. And for me, that was a big that was a big difference, you know. Uh, having Coach T has been a blessing. Yeah, for sure. And you know, another key contributor to the Pittsburgh Steelers and the face of the Steelers for the past two decades is Ben Roethlisberger. And, you know, we've watched him over the last 12 months kind of evolve from a guy who could beat you with his arm to now seems to beat you with his brain and with, you know, the experience that he has in the postseason. And, you know, I think he has a win over every team in the league at this point. How have you seen him kind of evolve and change over the last year as a quarterback? And how valuable is it for you guys having a quarterback with that mentality and that much postseason experience? I think what stands out the most for me is just the, the winning edge in him. You know, whether, it, like you said, it's running, passing, beating with, with your uh, mentality or my, uh, I think that's what, I think that's what it takes to win as a quarterback. Forget all the talent and everything else, just having the, the winning mindset, just to do anything possible to win. And uh, we on the sideline this weekend, when he ran, he on the, we went for two point, uh, two point conversion, he ran it in. And we kind of all laughed on the sideline because it was like, oh, watching Ben run. But that just shows, like, the willingness and just the, the effort he gives every game just to to win. You know, and it's that's that's a blessing to have your quarterback being, being who he is and just having – doing what he's done. What's he like as a leader, you know, Monday through Thursday in practice, in offensive meetings? Because you see him on Sunday and, you know, you watch him. He might not have the same arm strength that he had, you know, five years ago. But what's he like around teammates and around his wide receivers um, that really gets you guys wanting to run run through a wall for Ben Roethlisberger? Uh, honestly, just like I said, just that, that win mentality, you know, and I think a quarterback is a reflection of a lot of teams. And when a, a quarterback does what he does and shows the efforts that he show, every position, every uh, offense, special teams, defense, are all going to have that same attitude and uh, go get it mentality as the quarterback. And uh, I think that's, that shows a lot in our team. And you guys are in a really unique spot because you have the veteran quarterback. And then in the NFL draft, use your first three picks on offense. You go out and you get Najee Harris in round one. You get Pat Fryermuth, the tight end out of Penn State, in round two. You're in practice with these guys every day. You're on the field with them every day. You're in meetings with them every day. What have you seen from Najee and from Pat that gives you the, the belief and the hope they'd be building blocks of the Steelers' future? Just uh, me once being a rookie, just having, uh, having ears not having a mouth, you know, and uh, that's something I, as a rookie, I, I had to get under, find a vet to get under, and they have that vet here, uh, Ben. Uh, sure, our receiver course, we all kind of young, so, but just having Ben himself and having, or Ebron as well, Ebron in his room, so he has vets to go under and get under the wing and learn from. Uh, Najee, not so much, you know, that's a young room as well. So them having ears and not a mouth, and, and for you personally, having Juju Smith-Schuster go down, obviously you never want to see a teammate get hurt, but it's really created an opportunity for you. How have you grown over the course of this season? How have you been able to improve as a wide receiver, especially from the slot? Uh, I mean, I, I just been working on myself from the jump the day I got here. You know, I, I never hope for another player to go down, but uh, when my number's called, it'll come. Uh, plays to be made. 
So, And the Steelers are an organization that they don't really invest first-round picks all that often in wide receivers. They're really great at finding value in the draft or in free agency and developing them into marquee players. I mean, you look at Antonio Brown, Plexico Burris, Juju, Chase Claypool, yourself. What's it mean to play for an organization that has that sort of philosophy that they're going to give you the opportunity, regardless of where you were drafted, to turn into and develop into a top player at the position? Work. Uh, and just it gives the opportunity to work and trust the work, you know, build, build confidence in yourself. And that's, like I said, the difference between Buffalo and being here and this coach to actually, like, hands on with me, you know, uh, and not just me, just the team itself. Always watching, observing. You can kind of always see that. And as he's observing, he's also speaking, letting you know what I see, what I need, what I want from you. And uh, that's something I uh, appreciate. Now, you know, flipping to the defensive side, when you've been out there, who's been the toughest cornerback that you've faced? Or when you're studying film? Um, when practice? Like practice or just on other teams? Yeah, other teams across the league. Who would you say if you had the opportunity to, to take one cornerback out of the NFL and drop him into a Steelers uniform? Who would that guy be? Me and, me and Steph real close. So I'm going to have to go with Trey Diggs, his little brother. Uh, just just all the strength of our relationship before Bama, you know, uh, before college, both, before we both were in college, you know. So it was watching him doing what he's doing is definitely a, a blessing to watch that and see, see him do everything he dreamed of. Um, He's had an unbelievable start to this year. I mean, I watched Trevon Diggs. He looks like he should be the front runner for defensive player of the year. He's what seven interceptions away from the record. He keeps that up. He's going to add the hardware. Yeah. So, like I said, uh, the Lord's answering his prayers uh, and just hopefully stay to work, stay the course. And you brought up your college career. Where does Dabo Swinney and Clemson go from here? How do they get back to the top? What has to change for Clemson? Because you know they're they're a program that's been perennially winning or in the mix for a national championship. And it just seems like it's been a down year for them. How, how do they get that, that rock being pushed back up the hill? Like I said, you have your ups, you have your downs, you have your growing years, you have your years, you, you're the big brother, you know, and uh, Coach Swinney going to find a way. That's something we always still don't find a way. And, uh, but if my advice goes to some of Florida boys, I'm going I always tell them, no, get some more Florida boys. But nah, uh, they'll definitely find a way and get ready to get to. Uh, you got to go through the bad to see the good. And the one thing I've always been curious about him dominates the recruiting trail, right? And obviously built a powerhouse at the college level at Clemson. You look at, at the NFL level, Urban Meyer makes the leap to the Jaguars, and it hasn't gone the way people might have thought it would for Urban Meyer. He's had his struggles. If you look at Dabo Swinney, his personality, his track record, all of that, what would make him a great head coach in the NFL? Or do you think that he's just better suited and what he does best is is best for the college game? Coach Swinney on, on the field is the same person. And he's going to teach you how to be a player, but how to be a man as well. And I think that's why he excels so well in the college level, just molding men. I mean, boys and the men, you know, and that, that's something that was still big for me when I was there. Football, he, you know, he helped me. He helped me grow and feel, but he tremendously helped me grow off the field, uh, learn about myself, find the ways to progress myself as a man rather than football player. Uh, so that was big for me with Coach Sweeney, and he always stand a place in my life with that. 
Are there similarities between him and Coach Tomlin? Because if you want to talk about great head coaches at the college level in the last decade or two, Dabo, it's him and Nick Saban, right? And, and Urban, those, those are the big three. If you want to talk about elite NFL head coaches over the last 20 years, it's Mike Tomlin, it's Bill Belichick, it's Andy Reid. Are there similarities between Mike Tomlin and Dabo? Definitely. Definitely. Definitely from the straightforward attitude, the whatever it takes mentality. Uh, definitely. It's been the same, honestly. And, you know, the college game has really changed even over the last year because you have the introduction of NIL, name, image, and likeness. And college players can capitalize on their name, capitalize on marketing, gear, you know, endorsements with businesses in the community. Ray Ray McLeod, that's a hell of a marketable name. If, if you, you know, walk back into Clemson today, how would you have marketed yourself or what would you do if you had the opportunity to do what some of these athletes are doing right now? I uh, actually used to get in trouble for trying to do that in college. Uh, but everything you see now that with the, the vlogging and doing, I was kind of doing that uh, my last two years or last last year. Uh, by the time we couldn't do that. So, but for me, I, I would be always having a camera with me. Always just, I wouldn't say being seen because you don't do anything for attention, but just showing my journey, showing my process through everything. And, uh, and there shouldn't be anything wrong with that. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, back then or even now, letting the fans in, I, I yeah. don't see an issue with that. And it just it gives it gives kids the opportunity to believe in themselves. They don't have the every every everyday father or everyday uh, motivation just to see something or someone that they look up to and actually get to, to feel like they're there. It gives them motivation and influence. Oh, for sure. And tell me what you have going on with Legend Tribe. I know that that's your newest venture. Tell me about it. Um, well, it's something that's uh, it's been a thing since middle school. You know, it was a group of us that we all play. We all play sports for once upon a time. Uh, some of us still do. Uh, two artists are actually on the verge of actually uh, on the fence to get independent deals, getting where they want to get to. And just right now, we're just working on the projects. Uh, me, I'm into movies and stuff, so it's it's overall entertainment business. Uh, but they do music, and we just putting the two and two together in the football world. So everybody, every athlete wants to do music, and every music person think they're athlete. So, uh, and I was I hear that all the time. The, the the star quarterback wants to be a rock star, and the, yeah. the guitar player wants to be the star quarterback. Yeah, it's always so, been like that, hasn't it? Yeah, and so for me, I kind of was born into music. My dad, he had a music company for years, years, years. Uh, so it's not something that's new to me. I just, I, I also do music as well. Just something How could people know. find your music? How could people find Ray, Ray, uh, Ray McLeod's music? Well, you won't right now. I just, I just record music. <laughs> and I, I like when, when the company's built and the foundation's built and it, it's built the right way rather than me just doing music. I'm not focusing on football. You know, they, I don't, I don't get that feedback from people, you know, uh, actually do it the right way, do it like a business, you know, uh, cause I don't, I want to be that guy. Even, you know, you have your ups and downs. It could be a year where you, oh, you're not doing your thing. You're the same, but you might have, a, you and Craig might not be on the same page that year or something. You never know. And I don't want to be that, oh, he's not focused because that's, that's, that comes first before anything else, you know? And, uh, and that's my that's like my second love. But of course, football. For sure. And before I let you get out of here, you know, you talk about the commitment to the NFL, to football and all of those things. And a lot of guys in your shoes and young players coming up, 
they have to dominate on special teams in order to, to make the NFL. How important is special teams, not only in today's league, but when it comes to, you know, how the Steelers build their program? How vital is special team success in today's NFL? I had to learn that too. Uh, but special teams is a game changer, you know. Uh, it could be the the make or break you, honestly. Some players on the team, because they play special teams, some, some players are not on the team because they don't do special teams. So you got to look at it as it like, don't just do one thing. Let me be able to do anything and everything I'm asked to do just to have a job, you know. And uh, even at that, special teams can change the game. You know, one fumble, one anything. It's just, you just got to. And also, Coach, Coach T always says it's, it's a game of, like, you have some players and that's the only thing they do. They feed their families on special teams. Then you have rookies on there that come on there that's still learning their way. So it's the most that, – that stand of football is just so much different things can happen and go different ways. It's really so. a proving ground and kind of like you're having a proving ground now with Legend Tribe and trying to get the business off the ground. I wish you the best of luck in both ventures, both Legend Tribe as well as this season and beyond with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right, right. really appreciate the time. Thank you. Look forward to talking to you further up the road. Thank you so much. Awesome stuff there from Ray Ray McLeod. Really enjoyed the insight on Dabo Swinney and Mike Tomlin. And, you know, last week's game, I think, was pretty telling about the AFC North, a division where going into the year, I legitimately thought that the Cincinnati Bengals would be knocking on the door, that it was basically a two-team race between the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. I didn't really expect the Steelers to be all that involved because of how the season ended for Ben Roethlisberger. But the way that game played out last week, the fact that Pittsburgh went into Cleveland, punched them in the mouth, and Roethlisberger did enough, especially in the second half, to win that game, I think they kind of ended any delusions the Browns might have still had about being a playoff team. And I think we learned some pretty interesting truths about the Pittsburgh Steelers that, you know, they can still win football games in the ground and pound manner with Najee Harris, who's emerging, and that Pat Fryermuth is potentially an elite tight end in the making. That, that touchdown catch in the back of the end zone against the defensive back where he kind of bobbled it up in the air, got fo both feet in and scored the touchdown, that was just huge. And I think this is the type of game that can be a little bit of a springboard for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you just never know. They still have to play the Ravens and those games are always close. You look at what the Bengals have done the last couple of weeks, and I'm a little bit more down on Cincinnati after the last two games as I was high on them after the first four or five games of the season. So the Steelers are very much in the mix. But it's a very different story in Cleveland. It's a very different story surrounding Baker Mayfield and his future because, you know, this is a guy entering the final year of his rookie contract. This is a guy who's a former number one overall pick, essentially betting on himself this year and it hasn't gone well at all. Six touchdowns to three interceptions. And I know there were some drop passes on Sunday afternoon. But Baker Mayfield, as the number one pick in the draft, is supposed to be the kind of quarterback who can overcome those things. With his mobility, he's supposed to be a quarterback who can dictate to a defense and turn some heads and make some plays with his legs that can overcome those drops. And the Browns just seem further and further away than ever, in my opinion. And... I look at Baker Mayfield, and I think he faces a bit of an uncertain future. Who knows what's going to happen at quarterback for the Browns after this year? Who knows where Baker Mayfield is going to be? But when you start talking about some of the veteran quarterbacks who might be available this offseason, you, you mentioned the names Aaron Rodgers, you mentioned the name Russell Wilson, and you mentioned the name potentially... 
Derek Carr, depending how things play out in Vegas. And Baker Mayfield's kind of the consolation prize by a long shot. So I thought last week's game from the Steelers could be a bit of a springboard for Pittsburgh. And it might be an early dagger for the Browns this year and a wake-up call for how far away they are from really competing. On the other side, I want to tap into two big games this weekend that could have long-ranging consequences when it comes to the storylines of this season and years to come. I think these games are that big. Stay right here on the Matt Lombardo Show inside Fansided Stack in the Box podcast feed. Really great stuff again there from Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Ray Ray McLeod. I really think he's a guy to watch over the second half of this year and really for the next couple of years because the Steelers just always seem to churn out wide receivers that they didn't invest a whole lot in, but they get a chance to play. And for whatever reason, in that system, in that environment, they really break out. So again, follow Ray Ray McLeod on Twitter at RMIII underscore 34. And I'll be on the lookout for his music label as well when that hits the ground running. But, you know, something to really keep an eye on this weekend, I think, are two storylines that are emerging that could really tell the tale not only of this stretch run, but for the next couple of years across the NFL. And let's start in the AFC South, where last weekend you had Derrick Henry go down with the foot injury. And there's a very real chance that he's out for the rest of the year. Maybe the Titans get Derrick Henry back for the postseason, for the playoffs, if he's even healthy enough to be a difference maker at that point. But this is a real test for the Tennessee Titans, and maybe the biggest test that they've faced all season, because they're going to have to do it without Derrick Henry going on the road on Sunday Night Football, to the Los Angeles Rams, who, by the way, just went out and pulled off the coup d'etat of the NFL season, bringing in Von Miller for a second and a fifth round pick. Von Miller, by the way, dropping into a front seven alongside Aaron Donald, who might be the premier defensive player in the NFL, who has six sacks and 38 pressures. Von Miller has five sacks and 28 pressures, who also is playing opposite on the defensive line from Leonard Floyd, one of the best front sevens in football, who also deploy one of the premier corners in football in Jalen Ramsey. That's what the Titans are up against this week. But this is a show-me-something Sunday night for Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans. It's the biggest game of their season so far because here's the deal. If the regular season ended today, the Tennessee Titans would be the number one seed in the AFC. The road to the Super Bowl after the Titans beat the Buffalo Bills at home would go through Nashville. That's what makes this such a big game. And it's the type of game the Titans built themselves for over the last couple of years and never more so this offseason. When you go out and you trade for Julio Jones, you're all in. And you look at the AFC South right now. Look, I know it's the New York Jets. I know it was Mike White and then Josh Jackson and a really undermanned offense that the Colts were up against on Thursday night. But Carson Wentz put on a show. And that defense, it's not going to hold anybody underneath 20 points. They couldn't even hold the Jets and their third-string quarterback under 20 points. But they have the firepower on offense that the Colts do. With Carson Wentz playing some of the most consistent football of his career, Michael Pittman Jr., Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Hines, probably a top two or three offensive line in football. The Colts have the horses, pun intended there, to make a run in the AFC South and unseat Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans. That's what makes this weekend and this Sunday night game so important to Tennessee because you need to see what you have the rest of the way. 
Can Ryan Tannehill be the same quarterback without the threat of Derrick Henry averaging five-plus yards per carry, without a running game that's on pace to post 100 to 125 yards per game? What is Ryan Tannehill without that weapon? How valuable is A.J. Brown and how valuable is Julio Jones and how dominant can Ryan Tannehill be? That's why this game against the Los Angeles Rams, who might be the best team in the NFC, who might have an argument of being the best, most complete team in the NFL. Because by the way, when you drop Von Miller into that defense, you've now built a defense that can play complementary football and is an adequate complement to an offense that has Matthew Stafford at it, playing at an MVP level. You have Cooper Cup. You have all kinds of weapons. You're churning out running backs who can be effective every week. Daryl Henderson playing some of the best football of his career. This is a real test for Tennessee, and I think it's going to really determine the landscape of the AFC South the rest of the way, and maybe even the landscape in the AFC, because here's the thing. I thought I really believed that last Sunday afternoon was going to be quote-unquote separation Sunday across the NFL because you had Justin Herbert going up to New England and playing the Patriots. But Herbert, up until the last couple of weeks, was very much in the MVP conversation. The Chargers very much were a team with Super Bowl aspirations. I don't know that either one of those things are true after the last two Sundays, but you had the Chargers going to Tennessee. You had the Browns hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers with a chance to really make some waves in the AFC North. They came up really small. You look at the Kansas City Chiefs, a team that has had a myriad of questions. They had to play the New York Giants on Monday night. You had the Cincinnati Bengals, who many people, myself included, started to include them into the Super Bowl conversation in the AFC. But they go into East Rutherford, into MetLife Stadium, and just get smacked around and lose to the Jets and lose to Mike White, the great white hope. Last Sunday was anything but separation Sunday. Whatever the opposite of that is, contraction Sunday, back to the field Sunday. That's what last weekend was. And I was talking to Matt Verderam about this this week. If you look at the AFC, there are probably seven teams, maybe eight, that you can make a legitimate Super Bowl argument for. The Kansas City Chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Chargers, maybe on the outside, the edges of that, the, the Las Vegas Raiders. I think you include Tennessee in there. But just as you can make an argument for all of those teams, I can make just as compelling an argument for each one of them missing the playoffs entirely. So that's where I look at this Titans versus Rams game. This needs to be a win. For the Tennessee Titans, they need to pull off the upset on the road for me to really buy in that they can make a run in the AFC, that they can go all the way to Super Bowl Sunday. And that starts with Ryan Tannehill. But another team with a lot to prove, two teams, really, if you look at this matchup, it's the 425 game on Fox on Sunday. It's Chargers Packers. And this game took on even more intrigue with everything surrounding Aaron Rodgers this week. The fact that he wound up misleading the public, misleading the media over his vaccination status. And, you know, I read a lot this week about Aaron Rodgers and watched a lot of his comments over the summer leading into the season, all of those things. He tests positive this week, and I think that nobody summed it up better 
than Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, who wrote this week that Aaron Rodgers is so sensitive about being called sensitive that he misled the public about his vaccination status. This all is just so fitting of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I've written about this over the summer for fansided.com, talked about it on the podcast here a couple of different times, talked about it on radio all over the country. Aaron Rodgers is a guy who is respected by his teammates because they put him in the position each year to be in the mix for a Super Bowl. He makes them millions of dollars because he's just that dominant. He's maybe one of the top two quarterbacks in the league year in and year out. Aaron Rodgers is respected by his teammates. He's not well-liked. And this is just another example of why, where had he been vaccinated, Aaron Rodgers plays on Sunday. He tests negative two consecutive days. But because Aaron Rodgers isn't vaccinated, he is ineligible to play this week. And that's just the way it is. Decisions have consequences, and Aaron Rodgers is not to get vaccinated. His consequence is not playing. It very well might be fines for him and his team for skirting the protocols for this entire season. All of that being said, as big a story as Aaron Rodgers lying, misleading, whatever term you want to use about his vaccination status, whatever you want to say about his status and testing positive for COVID-19, the biggest storyline this weekend is Jordan Love. Obviously, the Packers drafted Jordan Love last spring with the intent that he would be their franchise quarterback of the future. That's what sparked this tumultuous offseason. That's what caused all of the acrimony between Aaron Rodgers and GM Brian Gutekunst, well, you're going to find out if you're the Green Bay Packers what you have in Jordan Love. And if he lights it up, and he very well might, just look what Daniel Jones was able to do for much of that game on Monday night. Just look at what Taylor Heineke was able to do a couple of weeks ago for the Washington football team against the Kansas City Chiefs defense that is a total sieve, that has next to no pass rush, that has next to no identity. If Jordan Love lights it up, All of a sudden, even if Aaron Rodgers wants to come back, which, by the way, talking to people familiar with the Packers, there's now a a smidgen of hope. There's now a belief, according to my sources, that Rodgers will want to finish his career in Green Bay. But if that's the case and Jordan Love lights it up and plays well, guess who has all the leverage in the world when it comes to potentially renegotiating Aaron Rodgers' restructured contract or deciding whether or not to trade him? It's not Aaron Rodgers. It's the Green Bay Packers. Conversely, if Jordan Love doesn't play well, if he throws two interceptions, if this is the game where Kansas City gets right and starts looking like a Super Bowl contender that they're built to be, if this defense confounds and confuses Jordan Love, boy, the Packers are going to have issues. Because if you can't do it against this team, against this defense... I'm not so sure who you can do it against. So I think this weekend, we're going to find out a lot about the Tennessee Titans and about the Green Bay Packers. And both of those teams figure to be significant players in the AFC and the NFC playoff races and the Super Bowl chase as well. It's going to be a great weekend. There are some really, really intriguing games on the horizon. I hope you enjoy them. Thanks as always to Fanside. It's Cole Thompson for all of his help getting this podcast up and running. He's instrumental in this podcast becoming a reality each week. Thanks to Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Ray Ray McLeod for dropping by. And thanks to you for listening. Again, if you enjoy the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe to the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, Spreaker, SoundCloud, 
SoundCloud. Subscribe to Stacked in the Box on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Leave those five-star reviews mentioning the Matt Lombardo Show. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Lombardo NFL. Hope you enjoy the games, everybody. Hope you enjoy the weekend. I'm Matt Lombardo. I'll talk to you next week right here on the Matt Lombardo Show inside fan-sided Stacked in the Box podcast feed. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.